You're listening to Secrets of Tomorrow's Leaders, brought to you by JCI Santa Clarita. My name is Corin Young here at RK Studios, and I'm joined today by a special friend. Uh, this is Jason Gibbs. He is a rocket engineer for GP Strategies Corporation. He is a, an eight-year resident of Santa Clarita. He is a husband and a father of two, and a city councilman member in uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Currently the Mayor Pro Tem. So congratulations Thank and, you. and welcome. Thank you, Cor. It's my pleasure. So we're here to talk about uh, leadership and something that you've you've clearly demonstrated in a sure. bunch of uh, local organizations. But as an icebreaker, oh, I oh. have these, these pod decks. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, there's like 50 questions on here, and I don't know which question this is. You got the hardest <laughs> one. <laughs> you look shocked. What's this the question? The, it's a uh, share your greatest fear. You didn't shuffle those very well, I don't think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just teasing. Share my greatest fear. Outliving my children. Oh gosh. That would be my greatest fear. Wow, this this got real. Yeah. Real fast. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, I thought we were just going to softball and kind of roll into it. No, we're just going for it. Okay. No, I don't know why you thought this was going to be a softball <laughs> interview. I'm, you're, you're about to get grilled. Oh. All right, it's okay. Yeah. It's, no, I know you're, you're, you're pretty open to that. As long stuff. as we can laugh along the way, I'm fine with it. Well, I will. <laughs> I need help. Is there any help in here? No, no, you're, you're locked in. So you moved to Santa Clarita eight years ago. Where did you come from? Uh, so I was born and raised in Santa Barbara. And then I went to university at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And so I was there from 1999 till 2009. So I was in school for 10 years. No kidding. So Poly's known, I, I always tell the story, it's known for the four plus one program in the engineering. So I'm a mechanical engineer. And you would do four years as an undergrad. And then you do an accelerated year for your master's. And I changed it up a little bit. I invented the six plus four program. So I did six years as an undergrad where I spent a year and a half away doing internships and co-ops up in Pleasant Hill and out in the oil fields of Bakersfield. And then my master's, I had to do part-time because I started working full-time for GP Strategies. So whenever they'd have a class that would come up at 5 o'clock, I could go to work early enough to be able to make it from Santa Maria up to San Luis Obispo to do my school. And it just took four years to get enough classes lined up to actually graduate. Wow, holy smokes. That's that's a long, long time to be in school. But it was. But you know, I guess you're one of the, the smartest people when people say it's not rocket science. That's literally <laughs> what you do. Well, they do say that, but if I'm you know, Cor, if I'm being honest, one of the reasons I got into the master's program was I wanted to meet college girls from Cal Poly. Oh, did it work? It did work. So my very last vast term at Cal Poly in two thousand nine, after ten years being there, you start to look around and realize it's probably time to stop hanging out at college. <laughs> uh, I, I met a young lady who uh, ended up moving down here to Santa Clarita and is a biomedical engineer at Boston Scientific. And I followed her down and we got married and set our roots here. Wow, that's great. Usually it's the other way around where the woman has to move to wherever the guy gets the oh, job. Oh no, I knew how special she was. I was I was chasing her wherever she was going. And so you're both engineers. Mm -hmm. She was an electrical engineering undergrad and a master's in biomedical engineering. And she went down to Costa Mesa after she graduated and worked for, I think it was Alcon Laboratories for about six months. But she always wanted to work for Boston Scientific. She wanted to do stuff with like deep brain stimulation and things that are way smarter than what I do. This sounds to me like in the Big Bang Theory, like the Howard Wolowitz and like, you know, like the very smart people coming together. That's fair. Have you seen the show? That's of course I've seen the show. Okay. That's one of our favorite shows. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that, that's a fair. It's that's more fair. relatable for you than most. I'm it sure. is. How cool is that? So how are you liking Santa Clarita? Like, what were the, some of the first things that you learned about it when you moved here? So when I first came here, I was what I would call the typical Santa Clarita. I mean, I was literally a, you'd wake up, you'd go to work, and you'd come home. It, it really was a bedroom community for, for me and my wife at the time as we were setting roots and figuring out what we wanted to do. So I, I never got out a bunch, 
I never spent time going down to, you know, downtown Newhall or saw the 4th of July parade or was involved with census or really any activities was just go to work, go to the gym and come home. And that all changed when we had our son Aiden in 2016. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a sweet story. And it's true when, when he was about maybe two months old, um, I drew the short straw at two in the morning and got diaper duty. And so it's the middle of the night, you're half asleep, you're changing diaper on your baby. And uh, Aiden reached up and grabbed my pinky with his hand. And we just had for literally seconds, just had that moment and that connection where the realization of just going to work and just working out and just taking care of yourselves, that you have something much bigger and more important to be a part of now. And so I realized at that moment that I was going to get involved. I was going to do something where I was helping my community so that I was setting an example for my family of, of how to be more than just than, than just someone who was here in Santa Clarita. I wanted to be involved in Santa Clarita. And you started with a bunch of organizations. I know you were on the board for the Boys and Girls Club and at VIA, right? I was. So the, the truth is it started more politically. And the reason it started politically is a buddy of mine who worked for me uh, he and I used to talk talk shop and politics all the time. We just enjoyed talking about the Supreme Court or cases or the big things that were going on in the world. And we jokingly said that we should get involved in in running for office. And so we, we made a deal, and I had forgotten about it. Well, we made a deal. That some said, joke that turned out to be. No, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. He said, so he decided up in San Luis Obispo that he was going to run for city council. And he did. And he so he runs for city council, and it, it didn't work out so well. And, and this was in 2016. And after the election, he made the comment to me. He said, you know, Jason, um, so I've run. It's your turn. And I said, well, okay, that's fair. So I said, well, let me go to the city's website and try to find out what's going on in this town. So I went to the city's website, and for the first time, they used to have this uh, scrolling banner, if you will, on the front page. And one of the first icons I saw was click here for the application to be a city council member. No way. And that was after uh, Dante Acosta had won the assembly. So there was a vacated seat and they were opening it up. So at the time I said, well, this doesn't seem that hard to get involved. All you got to do is apply. So I applied and didn't get it, obviously, but went through the process. And I was at City Hall and uh, got to speak and listen to everything. And they appointed uh, Council Member Miranda. But it was sometime in the next couple of days, I got a letter from Senator Scott Wilk. And Senator Wilk had just sent a, just a letter that said, you know, thank you so much for applying and getting involved. I hope you'll, you'll stay engaged and reach out if you ever need anything. And I was just really touched. I'm like, this is a guy that doesn't know me and just saw me apply for a council seat. So I responded to him. And that just got the ball rolling. So then it just got involved with meeting people. And I got to sit with uh, Vanessa Wilk at one time. And she said, you know, Jason, if you really want to get involved in the community, you need to start going to nonprofits. You need to start getting involved in a lot of the work that's going on here so you can really get a feel for what Santa Cruz is and really understand what kind of makes it tick. So I ended up being, getting involved with the Wish Foundation, ended up serving on the executive board for Wish. I was on the advisory board for the Boys and Girls Club, and I was the uh, vice chair of Adv advocacy for the Valley Industry Association, were some of my big ones. And I just made a commitment over the last, it was about three years, so it was 2017 to 2020, where whenever there was an event going, I was either attending or volunteering, and just wanted to get involved in every little piece of what was happening in Santa Clarita. And, and that was so you would learn a little bit more about the community? Or was that, it's, I mean, it seems the way that you said it, that it was kind of like selfishly motivated to just get your name out there and it, it meet was. people. It, it, you know, the truth is, of course, that's, that was the original intent was this is what you need to do. But even when in the end it, it, it culminated in getting elected, I, I jokingly tell, you know, I had a discussion with my wife when after the 20 election happened and, and we knew that we had been successful, 
I told her, I said, you know, I almost forgot why I had been doing all of these things in the community. I said, I knew that I got involved to, to understand Santa Clarita and, you know, eventually get involved politically and ran for office and won, but I'd forgotten all about the political side. And it just made so many great connections and great relationships with people in the nonprofit world that I loved being on the boards. I loved being involved. I loved, one of the big ones for me was, was Circle of Hope. Uh, my mom had passed away from colon cancer. And at the time when she died, Shonda and I had just kind of started setting our roots here in Santa Clarita. So literally a day after that she had passed, we had to get up and move everything into the first house that we were moving into together. So in a lot of ways, I never had a lot of time to really grieve and think about my mom's passing. But Circle of Hope allowed me to do that because I got to witness what this group does to help people who are dealing with cancer. And it just reminded me so much of the battle that my mom had had for literally 10 years. And it really, it really was almost therapeutic for me to be involved in helping other people. Yeah, it's, I mean, that really is a great way to meet the people that are really like the doers in the community. Oh, without question, now, without question. We, we kind of skipped over, like you, you mentioned that you had won your, your 2020 campaign I did. for city council, but we skipped over a failed campaign in 2018. <laughs> Do you mind the, talking about it, that one? It wasn't a failed campaign. It was a campaign of lessons. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, let's, let's learn from this. What are some things that you learned from that? Um, it's a lot of work. Um, you, you realize that even in your, your own bubbles, if you will, where if you got your group of people who just believe in you and understand you and trust you and, and are convinced you're the right person, we often forget that you know, we often say that Santa Clarita has that small town feel. We are now what, 235 to 240,000 people. The biggest city, uh, the third biggest city in LA third, County. Third biggest city in LA County. So it's so easy to forget that while people around you may know you, there's a lot of people in Santa Clarita who don't. And for a guy who ran in 2018, you know, I got involved maybe the springtime. And so I'm running for uh, a seat that's a, an at-large seat for a city that has a voting population of, what, 110, 120,000 people to, to try and get recognition and name ID and for people to know me when I haven't been involved long enough to really kind of earn my stripes, it was going to be an uphill battle. But it was an important one. Because I had I had people close to me who said, you know, Jason, if you're going to do this, uh, you got to give it everything you got. You got to get involved. You need to meet people. You need to know who they are, understand who they are, so that people will earn your trust and be able to trust you going down the road. So 99% of the people when I ran told me, you're not going to win. I mean, it's great that you want to run, be involved, and that's wonderful. Um, but just remember, you're not going to win. <laughs> that's, that's a great thing to remember. And and it's true for all the people that, that do run. Our city council, I think, has like a 95% re-election rate for the incumbents. They do, and I think, I believe most of the city council members who've run never ran, never won their first campaign. Oh, really? Uh, the only one who did that I recall, I think it was Bob Keller did in 2000. Uh, Bill Tech, I would say Bill won his first campaign, even yeah. though he was appointed. He was appointed, he was appointed for the first time. But the so. first time he ran, I think, was 2018, and yeah, he did okay. win that race. But I believe everybody else had had lost at least once. I think Cameron lost maybe in 98. I think Lorraine lost maybe in 96. And Marsha maybe 2000, like somewhere in there. Isn't that nuts that they've been running and in the city council for like 25 years? They served a long time. Yeah. And and I often, when I often you know, people often say that. It's like, that's crazy. I said, well, it, it also speaks a little bit to what we've done here. Right. I mean, it shows that people like them enough to reelect them. But mm -hmm. it's also when you're choosing somebody based on, you know, their name or what you see on the ballot, if you don't know the person, you see, okay, we have city council member, teacher, businessman. Sure. Like who, who do you trust to be the city council person, person who has experience doing it's, that? Especially when it's in a city that has been so successful mm -hmm. on a lot of fronts. 
And, and that's the big thing, you know, my, the comments I'd always hear is, you know, we need, we need new blood. We need new people. And I always say, you know, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to go out there and message that you need to be able to convince somebody that the people who are doing the work now aren't doing it the way that you would like, or they're not getting you something you don't want. And that's hard to do when you have a city that's fiscally sound, financially smart, has one of the large, the, the open space preservation district is a jewel in, if in the city, in the state, if not the country on what Lorene and the council has created over the years. Um, that we have 35 parks now, I think, maybe even 36 coming down the way. We're, we're a clean city. We're still one of the safest cities. So when you, when you go to debates or forums and people want to complain about Santa Clarita, if you got to remember that there's people who, like me, at the, in 2012, when we weren't involved, I just knew Santa Clarita was a warm place. It was a safe place. I felt good being here. I was happy being here. And so when it comes time to vote, well, why would I change anything? Right. It's, it's tough to run on a platform of change when things are going well for most people. I agree. So yeah. in, in 2018 is the new guy, you know, no one knows it's, well, I'm going to make things better. Yeah. Well, and so you are the young blood. You are the, the youngest Cur- I am, person. I'm currently the youngest on city council. How does that feel? I've never really thought about it, to be honest really? with you. No. Do, do you feel like you're obligated to represent the younger people in the community more? I, I think I'm obligated to represent everybody. Oh, come on. No, no, okay. I, that's, that's a very serious answer. I know it sounds political, but that's a very serious answer. So you, you can't just curb it as, you know, a man who has two young children in his early 40s, that that needs to be my focus. No, that, that's a main focus. That is a big, big focus of what I do. But at the same time, you still represent seniors. You still represent children. You still represent kids who are going to be coming out and getting into the real world. So everything we do needs to be tied to everybody. Okay. So as somebody who you said you have to represent everybody, there's, I mean, you're representing, uh, as far as the diversity amongst the the city council members, you know, you have five uh, right-leaning council members, uh, mostly white, in in a very diverse community. So how do you find it difficult to represent everybody or do you have people from all walks of life reaching out to you for, for help with stuff? I mean, it's, it's definitely all walks of life. You know, one of the old, the old sayings when I first came in was, you know, I've heard the same comments. It's, you know, it's, it's mostly white people up on the council and it's mostly uh, Republicans. Well, all Republicans. That's fair. Fair enough. But my comment to that is, so I, I don't look at it as, yeah, we only have Republicans. Again, I come back to if I'm a voter and I'm going into the ballot box, I have a clean city. I have a safe city. I have wonderful parks. I have, we don't put up with graffiti. Graffiti shows up. We get rid of it immediately. We're doing all these things. We're fiscally sound. We don't have long-term liabilities that are going to hurt the next generation. So everything we've done, I, I don't even curb it to as a political piece. You know, most people will, if you get into just political world, it's well, if it's involving the environment, then that's the left. Well, we have one of the largest open space districts that is not allowed to be developed or built and is just meant to be natural and green that we pay for as a city, that the, the, city, the, the city taxpayers put into every year their property taxes to pay for. That's not political to me. Safety isn't political. Economic viability isn't political. So we may have our own you know, political compasses that we go by, but if you operate at the city council on anything other than what you feel is good for the citizens and doing good by the citizens, I don't think would be an effective leadership. And I don't think council, even though it's, it's one political party operates that way. Uh, I've seen the city council vote unanimously on things to go against the county or, or the way that the, the state's been going. Sure. Um, and it, I, I don't know that it goes with the way that the majority of the residents go, but I guess your job as a city council member is to make the decision that you think is best and 
kind of push things in in that direction. Sure. I, and I'll, I'll say to that, Corn, one of the typical things is, you know, I'm on the legislative committee with Councilmember Smythe. The, probably I would say in my, my year and a half, the number one thing that we get brought to by staff is items that the state or the county are doing that are meant to usurp or bypass local control, whether it's land use, whether it's development use. It's, it's things where the state is saying, we want to do X, Y, and Z, but we don't want you to have an opinion or a say in it. We, we typically always oppose that. So we never look at a bill. We don't, staff never goes and says, well, is this a Republican or a Democrat who's pushing this legislation? That doesn't matter. Is it legislation that we feel harms the city or harms the city to have a voice in what's going to happen here? That's when we take a stand on it. You know, I guess in a Democratic-run state, most of the issues are going to be blue and probably will go against if if you feel like it's uh, taking control away from the city. Like the, the whole reason that the city of Santa Clarita was founded in 87 was to try to take control back. That's right. It was from the county. trying to get a voice with the county. And that's and that was, I mean, I, as I understand it, we actually went for countyhood, but we didn't see it was feasible. So Carl Boyle and a number of founding fathers and women came together and said, no, we need to develop our own city so we have a voice on what goes on here. And they were successful in that. And I, I honestly do believe we have one of the most successful cities in, in the state of California for that reason. It's been about what's good for the community. Yeah, and, I, I and, think so too. And, you know, and, and right now in California, obviously, yes, it's, it's very Democratic and blue. But it's, it's dangerous to me only because it's a, a one-voice supermajority. So you have a point now in the legislature, and this would be bad if it was Republicans in the same position. You need to be able to have discussion. And right now you have a situation where discussion isn't necessary. You have the votes no matter what it is if you just operate under a party political operation. And I don't, I don't believe Santa Clarita does that. I don't believe our leaders do that, even yeah. though we are all one political party. I, I don't feel we've ever operated that way, at least not since I've been involved. You know, th- that makes sense. When, when I spoke to uh, Cameron Smythe uh, on the podcast last year, uh, he mentioned as, a, as an assemblyman and being a Republican in a, in a Democratic supermajority, he knew that he had to cross party lines and, and you know, kind of uh, you know, work with everybody else in order to get anything passed. Of course. And it, it's no different local. I mean, we're not all just Republicans or independents. There are Democrats. There are people who are on farther fringes in each party. You have to be able to have a conversation and gain the confidence of everybody. And I think Councilmember Smythe has been fantastic at that over in his years. I mean, in our election, I think I ended up with right around 30,000 votes, and he was up upwards of 60,000 votes. And that's not just being an incumbent being name ID. That's somebody who's spent a long time really working on issues and gaining trust of people. So it's not just one party that votes for him. Yeah, 30,000 is huge. Oh, no, I was, I was blown away by it, to be honest with you. Well, I think most of the candidates would be happy to break 10,000. It was. I think I'm, in 2018, I think I was right around 10,000. I think I just hit that. And even then, I, I thought that was miraculous as somebody who'd been involved only for you know, five, six months, really, on a political scene. Yeah. Now, so when you're campaigning, you know, you're, you're out. You said that, uh, you know, you're joining these boards. You're meeting all kinds of people. Um, but you, you know, you've got to meet people from both sides of the aisle from all over the the community. So how do you get into uh, meeting people that you wouldn't, that you think wouldn't normally vote for you? So whenever I was involved, uh, locally on some of the nonprofit world, the people knew that I was running for office, but I never led with it. You know, when I was always there, when I walk into a room was, how can I help? It wasn't, I'm a Republican and I can help. It wasn't, I'm a candidate and I can help. It's just. I'm here to help and use any connections I had to move the move that that organization's message forward. 
And people just learn to trust you. They never, it was honestly very rare as a local candidate to be asked, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? You get asked sometimes, but in general, it's, it's, you don't get asked that. People just want to know what, what is it you want to do or what do you have a problem with or what kind of issue do you want to solve? Or, oh man, you're involved in this or you're doing these kind of things. A lot of times that's all people need. They just want to know that you're doing good things. They don't care what your political party is. You know, the first time I met you, I knew that you were running for city council, and I knew that you were going to win, too. It was at a, a, a VIA really? luncheon. Yeah, it, you, you had, like, this, this <laughs> air about you. Everybody was going around introducing themselves and what they do uh, for a living. And I think you mentioned that, that you were running for city council, and somebody else uh, mentioned, you know, the, here's what I do, here's what I do for fun, and I've got season Dodger tickets. And you stood right up and introduced yourself to him right in front of everybody. And I'm like, okay, this guy's got some chutzpah. And everyone seemed to like you, which is, you know, that's a good thing. And well, it's, that's nice to say, Corn. I, and like I said, I don't, but while I have my own uh, political compass, if you will, it doesn't operate how I run or how I lead or how I govern here in the city. It, it, you know, and this was honestly, this was something that Councilman Keller had told me very early on when I got involved in 18. It was, Jason, at the end of the day, when you sit up there at the dais, you need to make your decisions after you've listened to your staff and you've listened to the people, you make your decision on what you believe is best for the city. If you can't in your heart vote because you feel what is best, then you need to rethink what you're about to do. And so there was never, never in anything that, that I was, you know, taught or things that he would sit with me and we would talk for hours. It was never about you do this because it's a political thing. If you believe it's what's best for the city, then that's what you do. Yeah, so so those people at the VIA luncheon, they all liked you. Well, was but I serving on their board at the time? I think so. I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think that you were, but that's not to say that everybody likes you. No, no. I'd, for for <laughs> example, it says here that you are a racist and oh. that you're anti-Muslim. Oh, I've and heard. That, yeah, I, I've heard. I, so I know that when you're running for office, people tend to like dig in and they'll find like little they do bits and you know things come out to hunt you. We've seen it all over the place. You know from being uh, a the host of Jeopardy to being like a political. That's right. You know, so um, what do you say to the people that are finding things about you and your past? And uh, and how do you justify things like that? Uh, well, you learn early on that, you know, politics is ugly. The, the reality, even at local races, there are people who want you to be something that you're not and will find the evidence that they need to push a message about you. And yeah, so the old, the old adage is you need to have tough skin. Yeah, you do. Um, but in that one, so the whole racist, manly Muslim thing, we, you know, we talked about this beforehand. I've, I've had a number of conversations about it. It revolved around a, a Facebook group that I was a part of. And when someone finally asked me and wanted to know how, you know, how'd this come about, how was all this messaging come about? It was literally in 2018 when I started to run, people said, you need to learn about Santa Clarita. You should get involved on Facebook and just get involved in every local Facebook group. So it was the buy, sell, trade groups. It was the community groups. It was the watchdog groups. It was everything. Apparently, one of them was this group that had Santa Clarita in it. And some point during the campaign, someone posted a Facebook comment about uh, candidate Jason Gibbs is a known member of this anti-Muslim hate group. And at the time, I, I remember chuckling, thinking, have I made it as a politician now because I'm being attacked? And I'm like, how, how do people even know me? Are they really digging on me now? So maybe you're actually making some waves. And, you know, the truth is, no, there's no truth to it. No, I'm not a racist. No, I'm not anti-Muslim. But at the time, I, I never went out and attacked people publicly for saying these things about me because I put myself out in the public. I'm the one who made the decision for me and my family to get involved to try and be in public office. And in doing so, you know there are going to be people that are going to come at you. There are going to be people that don't want you to be successful. 
But if you're doing what you believe in your heart is right and you're consistent and you're not nasty toward people and you treat people with respect even when they completely disagree with you, I think that's the only way you can live your life as a politician and how you should be as a person. Yeah, it's pretty easy to find out people's affiliations because you can either go to your Facebook page and see the the groups that you're a member of or you can of go course. to any of those groups and see which of your friends are a member and it's like, oh, wait a second. It even shows you like when they joined and if someone added them. And but it's funny you said that. I remember when that post came out, you know, there was a screenshot of it. It showed the member list. It was uh-huh. like 50 people and yep, my name was on there. I was a member of this group. Were you an active member? No, I don't even know. No, I've never even posted on it. I still don't even know what the group does or what they believe. It, it was, it was, it was just was, a political group that wanted action in Santa Clarita. They said Santa Clarita. And I said, well, there's another Santa Clarita group. Let's let's log in. So then I'd get notifications they ever posted. I don't even know if they posted. I mean, that's how active apparently they were. But when that post came out, there was another person on that list who I won't name. It doesn't matter. But they were of the opposite political spectrum. And somebody got on there and said, well, wait a minute, what, have you, has anybody even asked Jason about this? Because this person is definitely the opposite politically. Are they anti-Muslim and racist too? And then all these posts came out. No, absolutely not. We, we called this person. We had discussion with them. They didn't even know. They didn't know they clicked it or they didn't know they were added. And the whole time I'm just sitting there going, well, that guy gets the benefit of the doubt. I didn't get a phone call. Yeah. Well, so it's, you know, it's one thing to be a member of like these Facebook groups yeah. and then to be like actively involved with them. Cause with Facebook, like you do want to, I'm a member of a bunch of Facebook groups sure. for organizations that I'm not active with just because I feel like I, I want to know of right? knowledge is power and you want to know what they're saying. Even if it's like, uh, for the, the opposite party, you know, like of course. you, you want to know what's going on in your community. And, and like you said, we're, we're 200 and what, 35, 38,000 people. Something like that. Yeah. So it's, I always try to listen. And, you know, you, if they're saying something negative about you, that's okay. You still listen. You know, you know I don't get up there and, you know, keyboard warrior and respond to everybody. I want to hear what people say because there are times where even if I disagree with somebody, there could be a good point in something that they're saying. And, you know, we had that same issue with the idea of workforce housing and some of the projects that were coming to the city. There were people adamantly opposed. And while some of the rhetoric I really didn't think was appropriate, they did have comments that made sense. And I thought, well, if we could implement little pieces, then maybe that maybe that would be better for the outcome for the city. Yeah, I, I guess n- not everybody is a politician, so you can't expect everybody to, to know how to approach things. No. Like if they're angry, they're just going to come out and say it. <clears throat> Another one of the, the criticisms that I've seen is that it's one thing to say you're not racist, but another thing to actively be anti-racist. Like I know uh, Bill Miranda has been working like with this round table. I don't know. Uh, Recently, I haven't seen much about it, but uh, are, are there things that, that you've done that promote like an anti-racist community? I, I don't know. I don't, I still, I don't feel that anything I've done at city council has been meant to show the opposite of that. Right. It, you know, it's, it's one of those, do I, do I put together a list of, did I do something today that I can hang this on my hat? I, I don't operate like that. You know, we, I've done things in the nonprofit world where I've helped people that if I wanted to make a point about it, I'd post it on Facebook and say, look at this group I was helping. And even though I've been accused of being a racist and anti-Muslim, this action that I'm doing now would prove that that's not true. The people who know me and, and I know in my own heart who I am. And so I don't, I don't feel that I need to make a point of doing, using social media or using the news to prove a narrative I already know not to be true. If, if it was, and it's like you said, it's a, it's a small little Facebook group of people who've decided something about me that 
if, if that's what they feel, that's okay. I know it's not true. And yeah, I know but you want to win their votes too. Cause you, at the end of the day, you do represent those people too. I, I do represent, but I'm not there to win their votes. I'm there to win their trust as a representative. I want them to know that even if they think this about me, my actions and my votes, I need to believe in my heart that are proving I'm not the person they think I am. How do you represent everybody as a council member? You know that you have to represent people that aren't going to agree with you sure. politically on, on a lot of things. Uh, how do you how do you do that? How do you work towards representing people who maybe ideologically you don't represent? Because my I don't believe that my actions are ideological. I believe my actions go back to that simple foundation I mentioned early that that I got from Councilman Keller. It was you do what you believe is best for the city. And so I don't believe that there's ideology when it comes to uh, smart economic senses at the city, uh, to limiting long-term liabilities that limit the amount of money that and debts that next generations of the city are going to have to be responsible for. I don't think it's ideological to believe in parks and open spaces and protect them and expand them and, you know, to make them all inclusive so that we make uh, different things available for people of, of any needs in any age. There's, there's no ideology, ideology there. There's no politics there. There's no politics in a safe city. There's no politics in keeping in keeping graffiti gone. There's no there's no politics in good programming that promotes new cultures. And that's one of the things with, that we're doing at the city now. When we do a census, we we bring up new ways to show you know whether it's Polynesian islands was one of the new ones that's coming up where we're talking about the culture of Polynesia. So we're doing all these things that are that, that they're warm, that they're good, that they show positive things. There's nothing that we do as a city that is meant to be political. And I don't take any votes or take any actions that just come off as political. I, I don't operate that way. Now, city council, I'm, I'm just going to change gears here because there's sure. something, something that, that, that I was wondering. Being a city council member is a paid position. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not a huge thing. Like you certainly oh, wouldn't want to, it's the lap of luxury. You, you, talking about? You, you wouldn't want to quit your job. No, you to can't, become you can't city. quit your job. Let me put it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically like if that's all you were making, it would be like the poverty line. Uh, oh, I'll tell you, we, I think I make $1,900 a month. Right. Which ends up being like 26,000, about $26,000 a, a year. Yeah. And at the time when I ran in 2018, I had no idea that they even got that. I, I, I didn't get involved to say, cause I want, want to get paid. That wasn't my motive. So yeah. I, I learned when I was during my second campaign, oh, wait, no, they do get a stipend. Okay. Do you have to take time off from work to be able to, to do that? Or do you, do you, like, you have to have a, a very flexible job? Or do you just do both? You work full time and then you also I, are I, like a... I do both. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a, I've been very fortunate that my boss and my career is flexible in that a lot of times we have meetings in the afternoons or in the mornings. Because, you know, at the city, the people who work at the city are working nine to five. So if they need to see me at a nine to five time frame, I need to be available. We do. Obviously, we do our council meetings in the evening. But on a normal day for me, Corin, honestly, it's it's usually I'm up at about six in the morning because that's when the kids start waking up and it's mm -hmm. getting them ready. You're checking your emails. And then during the day, I could have one meeting. I could have yesterday. I had seven meetings and it was just back to back to back to back to back. And then at the end of the day, ran home to get the kids to gymnastics. because We all went to gymnastics, get them fed, get them to bed. Then at 8.30, it's time to sit down at the computer, and I'm working until 1.30 or 2 in the morning. It's That is literally almost my every day. How much time would you say you dedicate a week to oh. a city council stuff? Probably on a low week, probably somewhere in the 20-hour range. Yeah. On a busy, busy week, it could be 40 and over. Wow, that's, that's intense. 
yep. and working full time. And you know, it was funny last and week. Raising a family yep. and being on, are you still on all the different boards? Uh, so I had to step off most of them. Okay. And most of them was just so that there was no, no issue of, uh, impropriety right like a conflict of interest like because we do some of the block arts and community grants at the city and uh, a lot of the boards that i sat on would try to get involved in those and i just to make it easy i said look i'm i'm more than happy to come and support you guys any way i can i'm more than willing to happy and come and speak i just think it's best for both of us if i'm not actively on your board uh i think the only board i currently still sit on is the advisory board for the boys and girls club that meets uh, once about every three months and so if they ever come and apply to, I'm sorry, I'm also on the um, uh, Salvation Army Advisory Board. Mm. So if they ever come and apply to the city for grant money or anything, and I'm on the review or it comes before council, then I just have to recuse myself from the vote. Um, but I'm still involved in, in those organizations and I, I try to go to all their events. I'm told I got to go to JCI events more often and I'll work on that. Mm. Um, I'll hold you to it. <laughs> I know you will. Um, but interesting, so last week, um, I'm doing a bunch of work right now at Cape Canaveral, Florida, out at the Space Force Station on one of the launch facilities out there. So I was, my wife and I were just kind of laughing about it. So last week I had a council meeting and then came home, packed a bag, went and took a red eye from LAX to Orlando, landed in Orlando at 730 in the morning. And we started work at 815 in the morning and worked till 11 o'clock out there at the Space Force Station. Wow. And then so this week, Friday, we have the chamber installation. After the chamber installation, back to a red eye. Same thing on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And I'll fly back in and get in at 4 o'clock for a council meeting at 6 o'clock. Man, the life you live. <laughs> I don't know if envious is the right word. but Life of a rock star. But I, I, I feel it's important that you need to give, if you're going to do something, you got to get everything you got. And so I don't, when it, when it comes to council stuff, I like to be involved. I like to be engaged. I hold meetings to, to keep meeting with people. Um, I, I do email sometime, but I prefer the in-person to talk to somebody about an issue. So I try to make myself available to do those meetings. And a lot of times that means a little less sleep every night, but that, that's why you're here. That's are, why I'm doing it. Are you in it for the long haul? Are you, are you looking to stay in the council for a while? Uh, at least a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, obviously I, you're not looking to I don't, I don't lose have, an election, but no, uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't have 20, 30, 40 year plans. I don't, I, I've often joked and I said, you know, if, if I got a call from a company that wanted me to come be a VP of X, Y, and Z and pay me a certain amount of money, that was great for the family. I, I don't think I could, could do that if that was what was best for my family. Yeah. The reason I ask was because, uh, Dante Costa, who was on the city council, mm -hmm. uh, before you, uh, he and I didn't agree on things politically, but he was a good guy and he came to, uh, he came to 40 under 40 and I got yeah. to meet him there and he came like I, I was uh, supporting uh, SCV safe rides for years nice. and he came to our awards banquet and he spoke and he shared a very personal story and he actually made a, a personal contribution. I think he gave us like a hundred bucks, which, which was awesome. Um, and this was while he was a city council member. I think he, uh, didn't even serve one term before he left and, uh, joined the state assembly. He did. And, uh, I kind of resented him for that. I was but, like, you know what, why would you get all these people to vote for you? Like, was this whole thing just a stepping stone? Well, was and again, I wasn't involved politically at the time, but something happened with the assembly in the Senate at that time, right? Didn't someone either had to step off or passed away or decided not to run last minute, and then there was a scramble of I don't remember because at who's the time run. I was just more involved in like local stuff. Oh, okay, okay, and and so uh, I, I remember that's when Bill Miranda was appointed, and I was like, what is going on here? We didn't have a say <laughs> in any of that. Like the whole the whole thing just rubbed me the wrong way. And so, like, for you, like, to be on our city council, are, are you looking, do you have higher political aspirations? No, other people do. 
Um, I, I don't, I didn't get involved. I never had an interest in politics in terms of an active wanting to be involved. I never had daydreamed of being the mayor or being the pro tem or being on council. I just got involved because I wanted to do something good. And that, that's still my drive today. You know, unfortunately the, the higher office stuff comes into discussion because every two years there's an election and, you know, the, there's term limits in Sacramento. So at some point there'll be an opening assembly or an opening Senate, whether it's because your party lost or your party won or somebody decides to go somewhere else. So everyone's always talking and trying to get the ideas in your head. But no, I, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I, I love being involved in the city. I, I couldn't imagine for me personally having to work four or five days a week outside of, of the area on a full-time basis. I, the idea of being away from my, my kids, I, I couldn't do it. It goes back to my greatest fear. I don't want to outlive my kids or I want, I, I don't want to outlive my kids, but I don't want to regret not having as much time with them as I can while I'm doing these things that I feel are so important. And is they were the, my son at the time, since my daughter hadn't been born, they were the impetus for all this. And so it's, it's funny, a kind of a personal thing after the 2018 election. I mean, I dived into it. That was my everything from morning until night. It was, you know, get your work done. And then it was politics, politics, politics. It was, are you getting your signs in the right place? Did you make the right number of calls? Did you go out and talk to people? And then when it was all done, my wife and I, we had to have a very hard conversation because for her it was, look, I, I know why you're doing this and you know, I support you and I love you, but you were gone. And when you were home, you weren't home. You were disconnected. You were separated and said, so if, if you can't figure out how to do something that you're doing for your family and doing for your community and then still being a father when you're here so that it's not taking all of your attention away. We really need to rethink this. And that was, it was so important that she had that discussion with me because it, it was that realization that you, you were absolutely right. And so I've, I am very, very aware now of my schedule and my time. And so if there's days where I know I'm busy, there's always going to be a window that is uninterrupted. That's with the kids, whether it's bedtime or dinner or, with my wife, just to make sure that I'm not forgetting that. Because if you lose that foundation, then you forget why you're doing this in the first place. Yeah. Let me ask you one more question. All right. Uh, I hope it's a fun one, but, you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> so as our mayor pro tem, that means that next year you're going to be our mayor. And this will be your, your first term as mayor, right? If so, if the council chooses to make me the mayor, that's Oh, right. Correct. Yeah, they still have a choice. They okay. do. They right. do. But, but they almost, they're always going to... They, historically, Which I, historically, normally the mayor pro tem does. Yeah. If we go back in the history books, there was probably one time maybe where that didn't happen. Yeah. But long before you and I were involved around here. But historically, yes, I, I would be mayor pro or the mayor next year. The mayor. Is, is there anything cool that you're planning on doing or any interesting campaigns? Because I know that like when Frank Ferry was mayor, he had the mayor. Dude. The mayor dude. Do you remember the mayor dude? I, d I wasn't around for it. I mean, oh, I've, man. I've so, heard you about, know about it. it. Yeah. I've, oh, I've heard about it. You get involved for the last five years. You know, normally there's a, an identity that the mayor chooses to take. Yeah. And um, then, then there was like the awesome town, which wasn't a city council thing. That was like a was Valencia, Valencia marketing, right? Yeah. New Holland and farming or something. But um, no, because, well, the biggest reason is because I, I haven't thought about what I'm going to do, uh, assuming I'm the mayor is because I'm still trying to handle everything that I'm doing today. Um, so I'm not thinking about what the image that I'm going to carry when I hold that seat in a future time. There's still a lot of stuff to do now. And so if you if you keep getting distracted with something down the road, you're going to forget what you're doing today. Yeah. So, no, I really I honestly haven't. But it's at good some to have point, a plan. And if you think of anything embarrassing, well, let you can me help. Know. You can help me with it, would you? Oh, I'm just going to put it up on the uh, <laughs> www.gibbsgaffs.com. Is that a real thing? No. 
Oh, should it be? You, I don't know. Maybe you should get it quick because yeah. somebody's going to pick that up. It's a good idea. Gibbs. Why does that have to be Gibbs gaffs? Because it sounds fun. <laughs> cool. Well, Jason, thank you for coming in. Oh, man. It's my pleasure, bro. talking of on course. the podcast. Of I know course. that I've been trying to get you in here since uh, you did our chat and chill a year ago. I did. And yeah. uh, I appreciate you doing that. Of I appreciate course, you doing man. this. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you guys all for listening also. This is uh, Secrets of Tomorrow's Leaders. My name is Corin Young at RK Studios podcast by JCI Santa Clarita. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Man, that's everywhere. It is everywhere. Man, you on Sirius Radio yet? No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening.